Well, good morning. Uh, my name's Kevin. I'm part of the uh, pastoral staff here. And uh, we're in a series called Alignment. And uh, we're looking at the book of First John and how we can align our lives with uh, God's, God's word, uh, his way. Today we're going to look at especially at First uh, John, chapter 4, verse 7, uh, to 5, verse 5. And more specifically, uh, we're going to talk about God's love. It's a bit of a, may sound, seem a bit repetitious for those of you who've been here. Uh, Bruce talked about God's love a couple weeks ago. Uh, and, uh, and yet that's the structure of this verse, and John's very concerned about that. And uh, so what we're going to do this morning is I'm going to read through this, uh, this weighty passage here. And we'll, we'll go through the verses. I'll read it out. And then uh, we're going to walk through them one by one. And I'll skip around a little bit, but uh, we'll walk through it and, and, uh, and see what God shows us here uh, this morning. So, uh, up on the screen will be uh, uh, the, new, uh, the NIV version. Uh, it's the newer one. I'm reading from the older one, so there'll be a few little changes. Maybe you have a different version that you're reading along with, uh, but that's fine as well, too. So, starting in First uh, John chapter 4, verse 7. Dear friends, and other translations say beloved. John is a, a lovey-dovey guy. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not, whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. We know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment, because in this world, we are like him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. And any, for anyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. This is love for God, to obey his commands. 
And his commands are not burdensome, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that, sorry, this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. A little bit of meat on the bone there. We got some chewing to do today, uh, a lot there. And so uh, we're going to dive in, go verse by verse, and uh, pray that the Lord reveals uh, some of his truth to us here this morning. So, verse four, chapter 4, verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. We're going to go through two scenarios. We're going to keep, kind of stick with an, uh, an image picture uh, this morning, and, and you're, it's going to go right throughout, and hopefully that, hopefully that helps you. It doesn't confuse you. You're never sure with analogies. They have their limits, but they're really helpful with some of this. So, scenario number one, you are on a boat. I asked Brad to put up a boat. <laughs> oh, whatever, we'll leave the boat. Uh, you're on a boat. The boat springs a leak. They say, you have to evacuate the boat. Head to the life raft. Get on the life raft. You're, you're out of here. You're running towards the life raft, raft and you end up grabbing a, a jug of water. You get into the, the life raft. Life raft goes into the water, and you uh, evacuate. The boat goes down. You're now bobbing out there on the, on the ocean somewhere in your little boat. Little life raft. And uh, after some time goes by, off in the distance, you kind of see this rock island. You can put it up here. Kind of a, just a bald, desolate island in the middle of the ocean. Something out there, but uh, that's it. The guy uh, beside you in the, in, the, in the life raft ends up saying to you, Hey, I'm thirsty. Can I have some water? Okay, scenario number one. Scenario number two. You're on a boat. The boat goes down. You grab some water. You hop into the life raft. You're bobbing on the water within the life raft. This time, however, after some time, you end up looking off into the distance and you see this gorgeous, lush, tropical paradise. For those of you that don't like camping, and this isn't really much of appeal to you, it's a, it's a full-blown, all-inclusive resort. that You can put in whatever you want there. And the guy beside you in the boat says, Hey, I'm thirsty. Can I have some water? If you're headed towards the desolate island, or if you're headed towards the abundant island, island, which one is more easy to share your water? Likely, if you have an abundance of food and water, you will more freely share. If you notice that you have an island full of tropical fruit and water coming to you and your boat is headed straight towards it, and that is where you're going, woohoo, throw the water up in the air, we're saved, have a party. If you're headed towards a desolate rock, you may be a little bit more concerned about uh, keeping your water to yourself. So what's changed? You have a higher sense of morality? And the second one, no. A stronger conscience, no. Are you a better person, no. What's changed is that your vision has changed. You have seen an abundance of life and it has liberated you to be generous. 
That's the only difference in these scenarios. You're still the same bundle of sins and selfishness that you were, but now that you've seen, you're celebrating, you're assured that it's going to be okay because you're headed towards this abundant island. If your vision is captured by a new reality, you're freed to be generous. Even though selfishness is still alive in you, once you see the abundance, suddenly you find yourself loving. Let me reread verses 7 and 8. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. In other words, whoever loves has seen the abundant island ahead of them and knows that they will get there. They will love. Whoever does not know if there's an abundant island out there or thinks it's a desolate rock looks out for themselves. Who doesn't love, whoever doesn't love probably doesn't know God. They're looking the wrong way. They're looking at a desolate rock. God is love. He is our abundance. We don't need to be stingy or self-protected. We don't need to hold back. Dear friends, beloved, love one another. Freely share your food and your water without any hesitation. God is love. Kind of a key point in this whole thing. And yet we need to be careful here uh, in the language and in, in the Bible. We cannot reverse those two. Just because love is God does not mean that, just because God is love does not mean that love is God. The reverse isn't true. Even though our world wants love to be God, a loving act in the lifeboat, sharing your water, it doesn't save you. Sharing your water is great, but when it's in the context of a finite amount of water, you will still get thirsty again. In our world, uh, verses 7 and 8 can easily be taken out of context. I love. I'm going to heaven. I'm born of God. I'm one of God's children. God's loving. I'm loving. I don't have to worry about sin, hell, the bad stuff. I'm good. I'm in the lifeboat. Eventually I'll get to land. I struggled with love is God as when I was younger in my life. Because I had many non-Christian friends that were actually more loving than I was. They were generous. They cared deeply for others. Back in the 90s, they recycled already. They treated me to McDonald's when we went out. And they didn't even have to go to church. But they were still really, really loving people. So I wondered, were were they better Christians than me? They loved. How were they able to love better than me? And the problem was that their definition of love didn't move them towards God and away from sin. It wasn't a saving love. It was a nice love, but it wasn't a saving love. The kind of love that John talks about is a saving love. It comes only through faith in Jesus Christ. Chapter 4, verse 10. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. 
Saving love, saving love doesn't come from faith in love. John goes on to say that God is love. But we can't reverse it and say that love is God. Love doesn't save. If we go back a couple weeks to Bruce's message on 1 John 3.23, it says this. And this is, this is his command. Believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. If we just love, we only get the last half of the verse, to love others. But that's not the whole commandment. The greatest commandment is to love God as he has defined it through Jesus Christ, and then, out of the love, to love God and to love one another. We can't love others with the saving love of God if we aren't connected to God, if we aren't being moved towards God and away from sin. If we don't love from the source of God, Through faith in Jesus, our attempt of love is really just a nice sentimentality. It may be really nice. It may be really, really loving. It may be caring. It may be merciful. It may be generous. It may look really nice. But love is not God. Love does not save. Instead, verse 9, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. Notice that it doesn't say that the world may live through loving others. Life, eternal life, comes through Jesus Christ. Okay, get back in the raft. How is God's love shown to us? You're back in the raft. And it's God's Son. That's how God has shown his love to us. It's Jesus in the raft with us. He's the one who points out to us, hey, there's an abundant island. A loving act doesn't end up pointing us towards the abundant love of God. It is only the person of Jesus who points us towards God. A loving act in a lifeboat doesn't cause people to see the abundant island. A person saying, hey, There is an abundant island is what causes us to see the island. If you know me, you will know the Father as well. The person who is the way to God is Jesus. Uh, Spencer and and others have, have talked about how John wants to reassure his congregation that Jesus was fully, fully human. Big issue for them. Here, God showed his love to us in one of the most relevant ways that crosses all cultures throughout all times. God, showed, God chose to show his love to us as a baby. I'm not going to get too much into what is known as the incarnation. Spencer did a great job last week. You can listen to his message online on that. Um, other speakers have talked about it at length about how important it was for people in John's world to know that Jesus was fully, 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 100% human. This was a big deal. Jesus is truly, fully a human baby come into the world. Verse 10, we'll keep going. This is love. 
Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And this is love. Not that we loved God. Not that we dreamed up some lush, beautiful island to fantasize about while we're stranded on in a life, in a life raft. But he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. My little uh, analogy lifeboat here does break down a little bit because in this, in this passage, it's, it, it isn't just Jesus in the lifeboat with us. Jesus is the lifeboat. Jesus' death on the cross is what saves us from death. If we don't believe that the lifeboat will save us, if we don't believe in Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life, then we end up staying on the sinking ship. And we say, ah, it's not sinking. It's just a little hole. It won't go down. Or we end up saying, I'm not hopping into lifeboat. That's not going to help. That's not what we need. Or we end up saying, yeah, lifeboat's going down. I'm going to swim for it myself. I can do it. All valid options that many people choose when the lifeboat's going down, or when the boat's going down. But Jesus is the lifeboat that saves us from the sinking ship and takes us to the abundant island of God's love. God's love is Jesus. Jesus is love. And John goes on to say that God's love is shown through sending Jesus the atoning sacrifice. Some of your translations and some of you might know the good old-fashioned word for this, just to expand our vocabulary, propitiation. ESV and other uh, passages talk about propitiation. It means to appease or to make right with. It's the word for atoning sacrifice. Many religions uh, include the concept of, of appeasing a god. The uniqueness here is how it's used in the New Testament is that it includes being made right with or restored or drawn close to God. This is the love of God, to sacrifice himself so that we could be saved from the sinking ship of sin and live in the abundance of God's love. Verse 11 kind of paraphrased. This is my own paraphrased version here. Dear friends, beloved, since God so loved us and sent his son into the world that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life, out of the abundant, overflowing love that God has for us, we ought to love one another. We ought to share our water. This isn't a suggestion this isn't a request by John. We ought is a command, just like the greatest commandment. It isn't the great suggestion. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor. Not a suggestion. The commandment, uh, the commandment here isn't forceful. It's not manipulative. It's not threatening. The great commandment isn't do this or else. It's a commandment of how to live as a result of God's love for us. It's hard for me to come up with a good analogy on this one. 
and just with my own context, family and, and stuff, I, I kind of think it's like, like a father at the, at the end of dinner saying to his kids, hey, mom made a great supper for you, now clean up your dishes. This isn't a suggestion coming from dad, but because of mom's great act of love in making supper, hey, respond accordingly. Jesus gave up his life. God poured out his love. It's not a suggestion. It's a command, but not a threat. Love one another. Respond appropriately to God's love. Skipping ahead here, uh, chapter 5, verses 2 and 3. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. Out of the love that God has for us, we are to keep his commands. Love God, love one another. I have to somewhere in here deal with how to love. And there's lots of different directions here that I could obviously go, but I'm going to speculate a little bit that John, as the pastor of a church in the first century that was divided, that one of the ways to love one another would be to give up your rights. Since God went into the world and sacrificed himself, we ought to go and sacrifice. Give up our rights. So earlier in John's gospel, we are in John's epistles, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, the epistles. In John's gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the gospels, John's gospel says in in, uh, chapter 1, verse 9, that we have the right to become children of God. And as I look through John's writings, I think that's the only right that we have. We have the right to become children of God. See, love, loving one another involves giving up our rights. Jesus was right. He was perfect. But he laid down his right to be right. He could have said, no, 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 I'm right. You need to realize, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life, You can't kill me. I didn't do anything wrong. Instead, he gave up the right to be right without ceasing to be right. Even though Jesus had all the rights of heaven, he sacrificed. He gave them up. And what rights do you have? What rights do I have? Do we have the right to comfort? To sleep in a comfy bed? Do we have the right to be safe? Oh no, I couldn't go to that part of town. That part of town's too dangerous. Do we have the right to spend money our own way? I don't want to give it to them. They might not spend it appropriately. Do I have the right to ignore someone? Because I just don't want to deal with the problem. Do I have the right to be heard? I'm going to demand that things change around here. Yeah. I do have those rights in the world. But I see the opposite in Scripture. I see giving up our rights as an act of love, of of an act to love one another. To go to one another and sacrifice our reputation, our belongings, our comfort, 
our safety as acts of love for others. In, in, in the lifeboat, you have the right to keep the water to yourself. But you ought to give it up, knowing the abundance of God and his love ahead of you. Verse 12. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. Back in the boat. Jesus is in it too. The sun is shining. You know that you're safe, abundant love of God island in front of you. It's all a reality. But let's remember here that John is writing to a church that was divided. There were false teachers that were dividing the church. Some wanted to go back to the way things were. Some wanted the church to move ahead on its own strength. Some said that Jesus wasn't truly human, that you couldn't know that you're saved, that everything physical is entirely evil and the spiritual world is entirely good. And the reality is, is that while you're sitting in your lifeboat, the fog rolls in. The lush island can no longer be seen. As thick as pea soup, the fog rolls in around your boat, and there's arguing. You're in the fog, and you can't see the lush island of God's abundant love ahead of you. Now what do you do with your water? John's solution is that when you don't see, or as postmoderns, maybe we say we don't feel God's love, the solution is love one another. Even when you don't see or feel God, love one another. If you're at a place where you just don't feel like God is real. You, you, you felt his love when, when you were at camp. Or you, you, you felt his love when you were a kid. Or you felt his love like right after that great conference. It was, oh, it was so good. But I, I just don't know anymore. Reality's kind of hit. The fogs kind of come in. We don't just love others when we see and know the abundance of God's love right in front of us. We love others even in the midst of the, and the uncertainty of the fog. Knowing fully that the abundant island of God's love is right there in front of us. We just can't see it. One commentator says it this way. To anchor our love in God's affection might inspire passivity. That is, we might wait for God's love to mature and change us, to shape us, before we apply any effort to our own growth. If we cannot feel God's love, John would have us exhibit love towards others as a way to step into God's presence. 1 John 4.12 talks about the limits of our experience of God. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. Loving the unlovely, or the difficult to love, is an avenue, a mystical avenue, to discover God in our midst. End quote. If you can't see, if you can't feel the abundant island of God's love, Right now, go love one another. It's a mystical pathway, indescribable way to discover God in our midst. Sign up to serve. Cook a meal for our youth leaders. Join our welcome teams. Bake some cookies for someone. 
Sign up for a small group. Find ways to serve others in the midst of the fog. Sacrifice your rights. Ask for forgiveness. Offer forgiveness. Verse 13. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. We know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. John is certain that not only is Jesus in the lifeboat with us, but there's a compass, the Holy Spirit, that is pointed directly towards the Father. We are not alone. The Holy Spirit, God's presence, is in it with us, among us. And when you're in the fog, it's good to have the Holy Spirit, good to have the, the compass guiding us directly, keeping us straight as to where we're going, to the reality of, of, of the, the abundant love of God. Verse 16, And so we know and we rely on the love God has for us. In the midst of the fog that comes from a disunified church that's being peppered from all sides to deny Christ's humanity, John's appeal is to know Jesus. We know this is true. We've seen it, and we rely on it. Jesus is the way to the abundant love of the Father. Skipping ahead a little bit to uh, verses 17 and 18. This is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We can have confidence. There is no fear in love. Let's talk a little bit here about judgment. God's judgment for first century Jews was seen as a good thing. In contrast with more of our negative view of it today. Today, many people think of it as an absolutely terrible thing. What kind of loving God would judge us? Old Testament Jews, early Christians, would have longed for and loved God's judgment. And here's why. It was fair. It was perfect. It was just. The Jews were so used to unfair treatment, being slaves, being oppressed. The Old Testament is full of the Jews calling on God to judge them and their enemies because they knew that God loved them and would judge them in their favor. Their enemies would get what they deserved. Psalm 67, verse 4. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the people with equity. We can have confidence that a loving God will judge justly. And love has been made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. Because we are in this world, in this world, we are like him. Spencer said, we are little Jesuses. We don't need to fear. We are judged through the work of Jesus on the cross. Jesus is the propitiation. We will be judged fairly because God is loving. We don't need to fear. Even though we have sinned, even though we were wrong, even though we were separated from God, because Jesus Because of Jesus, our sins have been washed away. We have been made right, and we have been restored in a relationship with a holy, judging, righteous, loving God. There is no reason to fear. There is no fear in love. Verse 19, and so we love because he first loved us. 
He saved us. He showed us his abundance of God's love. And so, we love. Whoever claims, oh yeah, I, I see the abundant love of God, the island of God, yeah, I, but he doesn't share his water, he's a liar. He's not really seeing it. Don't be deceived. He's looking in the wrong direction. If you know the abundant love of God, you'll love your brother. The final few verses here say, In fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. The world in this context is everything that stands against God. If we are born of God, the sin of this world no longer has control of us. Romans 6 talks about dying to sin and being set free from sin. We overcome the world because of faith in Jesus. He overcame the world, John 16. And as we experience life in him, we too experience the victory of overcoming the world. God's commandments are not burdensome. It's not a burden to give up your water once you've seen the abundance of God. We've overcome the selfishness that doesn't want to share because we believe in Jesus and he's in the boat with us. Be generous when others think that you have nothing left to give. Forgive even when you are right. Love the unlovable person. I'm not sure how God is speaking to you. Maybe there's a new vision that you have of God's love for you. Maybe you're convicted to give up your rights. Maybe it finally clicked that Jesus' sacrifice for your sins is a reality and you are ready to accept that or to accept that again. Maybe you have a vision of how you can love someone else. We're going to take some time to sing, to pray. After the service, feel free to talk to one of us on, on staff or a friend, someone in, the, in your small group. But I want to uh, point you in one direction for response coming up this fall. And the worship team can come on up uh, now. Um, I want to put a thought in your mind. And it's this. It's It's Alpha. Uh, our city is, is going to be involved in a national, international initiative. Alpha is a program that creates a place for discussion about the big life issues that people are going, that are going on. And as a city, we already have 35 churches that are involved in this this fall. It's going to be an international campaign uh, for Alpha, and uh, we here are going to be involved in this in some way. Small groups. We're going to be putting on a a meal sometime through the week. Maybe this is a place that you start thinking about for this fall of how do I show God's love to people? How do I I get involved? Maybe you're looking for places to serve. Hey, we need cooks to cook meals. We need table hosts. Um, If you go on our website, uh, there's an alpha link, uh, and you can check out more information there on on things that that we need. Um, One of the things that I would just ask through this summer, I know people are busy, and uh, fall is too far away, please pray. Please pray for your neighbors. Pray for your coworkers. That those that do not know the abundant love of God would see it, would know it, would know the love of Jesus in their lives, and and maybe Alpha will be a a great opportunity uh, for them to know that this fall. You can come and talk to me more if you're interested about that.
Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your love. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for sending your Son. May your Holy Spirit speak to us deeply and and speak to us on how we can show love to others. In your name, amen.